You're listening to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette, episode 74. Welcome to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette. That's me, the podcast that's filled with refreshingly honest conversations about the wonderful mess of being human. More than anything, this show is home to honest conversations between real people. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're not trying to get you to fix yourself or get you stressed out over stupid life hacks or anything like that. Instead, it's a space to just be real, to take a deep breath and talk about all the behind the scenes stuff that I think isn't talked about enough, like our fears, challenges, and insecurities, our secret dreams, how it really feels to try and make changes in your life, what happens when you don't accomplish a goal, and just the day-to-day truths of being human in this crazy world. As your host, it's so much fun for me to sit down with everyone from athletes, writers, and entrepreneurs to parents, coaches of all kinds, world travelers, adventurers, artists, activists, the list goes on and on, and to then bring those conversations to you. And fair warning real quick that this is an adult podcast, which means that we often cover adult topics and use adult language. So don't say that you weren't warned because this is your little warning. My hope for you as a listener of this show is that it makes you laugh, think, and just feel less alone, because honestly, that's all that I ever want, to know that I'm not alone. Something else that's unique and fun about this show is that it's 100% community-supported, which means no ads, no sponsors, and no outside influence. Just us, here together, sharing stories. The show is made possible by listeners like you, awesomely generous people who have pledged $8 or more per eight-episode season. To do this, we use a platform called Patreon, and not only does your support keep the show going, but it also earns you access to over 30 hours of exclusive bonus content. That bonus content includes everything from conversations with wonderful guests that aren't aired publicly, fun Q&As that I'll happily do for you, and the private community version of the podcast called The Squad Pod, where the guests are you, the members of the community. You'll also have the opportunity to be featured on an upcoming outro, You'll be able to help shape the future of the show. You'll be able to chat with me and other like-minded people on the community's private feed page. And you'll even be able to access my popular weekly email series called Notes of Grit and Grace, which is only available to Patreon supporters. So for all of that, plus more bonus content added every single month, just go to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. That's patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. And at the end of this episode, you'll actually get to meet one of our community members who joins me for a quick and hilarious game of Would You Rather and shares what it's like behind the scenes in our Patreon community. So if you believe in this real talk revolution like I do, and if you're in the position to be able to support the show, I can't tell you how much that would mean to me. Thank you so much for the support. And now let's dive right into today's episode. Today, you'll get to meet Kate Flanders. Kate is a writer, podcaster, and soon-to-be author. She started her blog back in 2011 and first used it to document her journey of paying off $30,000 of consumer debt. She then went on to write about the two-year shopping ban she completed in 2016, in which time she also got rid of about 75% of her belongings. Kate now considers herself a more mindful consumer of everything, and she continues to share her story in hopes that it will inspire others to become a little more mindful too. In this episode, she shares the story of how she hit rock bottom with her debt, how she then paid it all off, went on that two-year shopping ban, and fundamentally changed her relationship with stuff and with consumption in general. Her story isn't just honest, but it's she shares so many good tips, like actual practical things, um, which I super appreciate. We discuss the emotional stickiness of money, how she handles her money now, why she needed to learn to accept herself in order to be able to effectively declutter her life, and why she doesn't really like the term minimalist. We talk about that and share our actually similar views on that. 
This whole conversation is just open and honest and refreshing, and I know you'll get just as much value, enjoyment, and reassurance out of it as I did. Fabulous. We are good to go. Kate, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is going to be a treat. We're going to talk about all my favorite topics, which are basically all of your favorite topics. So (laughs) that's exciting. Um, What's the first thing that I want to know? I'm actually super curious about something that you recently wrote about on your site. Um, This idea of 2017 being the year of slow for you. And I want to hear what that means, why you're doing it. Tell me all the things, basically. Yeah. Uh, Good. Well, good way to start. I um, I will say it sort of stemmed from the thing I would say I'm most obsessed with in that whole in the whole year, which is the idea of slow travel. Um, last year, I did this huge like seven week road trip throughout the U.S. by myself, and uh, I was very ambitious with it. I I hit like 18 states. Uh, and some of them admittedly just like drove through or stopped in and saw one thing, but I hit like 18 States. I drove over 8,000 miles and it was so amazing for so many reasons. Um, but I, as soon as I got home, I just had this feeling of like wanting to slow down with whatever trip I did next and really get to no place. So some people call it slow travel where you go somewhere for, you know, a few weeks to a couple of months. Um, so it started with that, but then it also, (laughs) I will say in, in some ways as like, I've noticed a lot of the topics recently, even though I don't say it maybe out loud all the time, (laughs) or like say it out loud on my blog is some of the topics that I've been writing about lately, they're sort of coming from rants or, or feelings that come up based on other things that I see on the internet. So I've definitely noticed you know, as well, as the new year was approaching in early January, uh, you know, all the posts that come out about resolutions and hit all these goals and basically like do all of the things right now and be amazing at all of them. And, and, and you're never gonna, (laughs) like, you're never gonna achieve them unless you do X, Y, Z. And it just, they all like, to be perfectly honest, usually make me feel like shit. Like when I read those posts, I already feel like I'm not doing enough or I'm not going to achieve enough. Uh, and I just, I, I don't know. I did not want to add to that space. I did not want to, um, even endorse it. Like I just, I don't want to push anyone and I don't want to push myself. I have a lot of stuff that I've got to do this year and it's stuff that I'm excited about, but I'm going to stress myself out even more if I just, you know, look at it as this massive thing and I'm going to be so busy and I'm not going to be able to see all my friends and stuff like that. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like take it all back, step back from everything. And what do I actually want? There's really only a few things. And the only way I'm going to be able to do them is if I really just slow down and, and don't stress out about all these goals or all these resolutions. Um, so that was sort of a long winded answer of saying like, it was a bit of a rant uh, and it was really just something I was noticing in myself that I need to slow down or else I'm going to just freak out at some point throughout this year. And, and then in the space that I'm in, especially with, with blogging, like I just, I don't want to make anyone else feel like they need to do all of the things this year. Like it's okay to just slow down and do one or two things or only do things that you actually want. Like that is okay. And like, that is the goal of life or like what we're working towards here. So yeah, no, I love that. I mean, obviously I have very similar feelings of this kind of like, 
really strong reaction to the the life hacks and the like these are the you know happy january 1st these are the 10 things that if you don't do them this year like you're gonna be miserable unhealthy non-productive human right i mean obviously that's not the title but it might as well be the title right and i don't know like i think it's it's something that i struggle with a lot and that comes up a lot um i mean i know i've talked about this this idea of like living with grit and grace which is basically my like philosophy because i do believe in setting huge goals and pushing yourself and like getting comfortable being uncomfortable and doing all that and yet also this idea of grace and of course you're going to mess up and you're going to fail and you know like things aren't always going to work out and you take two steps forward and nine steps back and I know it's just it's an interesting I'm always interested in kind of how other people approach that because it's easy to look at like to take kind of a cynical view of like oh well like must be nice to slow down or like not have any goals or whatever like I know that's not what you're saying so it's like nice to hear how people occupy kind of that space for themselves of identifying like what's really important and not just like adding on a bunch of other stuff because arbitrarily like it's the new year and like I'm supposed to want to be thin or like whatever bullshit oh yeah well and um just what you said there is like it's definitely not slowing down at all like I have a very long list of of things that I do want to achieve this year. And I've even set some goals that, uh, like are surprising even me just in, in, (laughs) I don't know, like financial goals. I didn't think I would have set for myself at least not anytime soon. And, and, and like work goals, like I've just got, I I could, I don't know. I, I can literally look ahead at 2017 and see all the projects I need to work on every single month. And I haven't had that much structure in a very long time. Uh, but it is, it is just bringing in this sort of anxiety of like, oh my gosh, like I have so many things to do. How am I going to find any balance? And just realizing that, you know, maybe like, like, okay. So one of the things I'm focusing on right now, like I, for January, I've been focusing on, or I was focusing on, uh, slower mornings. So when I wake up in the morning, just taking my time you know, actually enjoying my coffee, trying not to look at my phone. Uh, instead, I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks, um, and and yeah, and just really enjoying my morning before I dive into work for the day. So that even if it's only you know thirty minutes, an hour, whatever, at least I can know that I've started it at the pace that I want. Um, and so it's more just going to be about like enjoying, yeah, just like the simple moments throughout the day. And, uh, and right now, like for February, I'm, I'm looking at slow cooking. So just, I cook a lot at home anyways, but just really enjoying it, maybe trying a few new recipes. Um, and yeah, just, just, I don't know, just kind of enjoying that process rather than making it feel like it's hard or anything like just enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, the underlying current seems to be this idea of just like being more present and not being this like frantic, I have to rush between to-do list items, right? Which like is not a good way to feel. Even if you have big goals, like I would argue that it's not going to happen if you completely burn yourself out by like being this like frantic, crazy person all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned slow travel and slow mornings, both of which are intriguing. And I'm curious what else for the year, what kind of other themes, slow cooking, what else have you either like decided you're going to experiment with or want to experiment with? Uh, so good question. And I'm like, I have a partial answer. (laughs) So slow travel is one that I see sort of being a part of the whole year. Um, I'm, I'm in a position right now where I, I don't know, not to be like, I don't have a home. Actually, I don't know if you've seen that minimalism documentary on Netflix that the minimalists put together. I have not, but I'm familiar with it. Okay, so um, my friend Colin's in it, and he sort of jokes that he's homeless, but instead he tries to say that he's homeful. 
and just meaning he can basically find a home wherever, whether it's with a friend or with family or Airbnb, but he just kind of hops around and I'm not hopping around quite that much, but I'm, yeah, I'm just in an interesting position this year where I do have the freedom to kind of move around as I want to. And so slow travel will be a big one. Like right now at the end of December, I relocated to Squamish, BC, which is in between Vancouver and Whistler. And it's just a small little town. I love coming here. Like I came here so many times in 2016 and then was like, I would love if I could spend a portion of 2017 there. So I'm subletting a condo here right now and just kind of hanging out. Um, and then I have plans, like I've told you, I have plans that, well, it's not solidified, but I could be in Bend for a month, either in May or June. Which would be totally uh, awesome. I would love that. Oh yes, my God. come to Bend. I, I know. I know. I hope it works out. I think it will. I hope it does. Um, and then I might spend a month or so in Colorado, probably like just in the Denver Boulder area, um, later in the year. So, so travel will be a big one. Um, and then I have other ideas. Like I am thinking of, um, slow evenings. So like really kind of solidifying, I have, I have a good bedtime routine, but like really solidifying it and just, uh, making sure that I'm getting better sleep. Cause that's something I've always struggled with. I have random bits of insomnia, like I'll be great for three weeks. And then for like two weeks, I'll sleep for like three to four hours a night. Mm -hmm. Um, so really just trying to figure out what it is that works for me and continue sticking with it. And, and even just, I'd say the biggest one, or it'll be the most interesting to write about because I'm a communications, uh, geek. Like I, I studied communications in school and I'm very interested in technology and how we use social media. Um, and so I'm, I'm most excited, I think, for all the experiments I plan to do around that. I guess, like, right now, I would call it, like, slow technology. I don't know. I haven't really come up with a good name for it yet. That's um, It'll be interesting to see how that kind of takes shape and unfolds. Yeah, well, I have, you know, I have different ideas for it and, like, different experiments that I've done already in the past. So some have been... You know, I've experimented with not looking at social media after 6 p.m. And I'll do great with that for months. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't even know how it happens. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm in bed and I'm still checking my email or my Twitter. Like, why are you doing that? <laughs> and and so stuff like that, I just like, I would like to just be much more intentional about it. And it's kind of going back to what you did say earlier, though, of like, having the grace part of it too is like in being forgiving of myself. Like I'm not for the whole year in these little challenges I'm setting for myself every month, I'm not going to freak out if I only, you know, do the thing I say I'm going to do for like 25 days of the month. Like that to me is not a failure if it means that the, all the other days, uh, or if I only had a few days where I was slipping up. So yeah, I don't yeah, know. I mean, it's the idea that it's, I mean, it's worth, I think it's worth trying stuff and experimenting. I mean, no matter what, like not even like, yes, if you're going to mess up, but like, you're going to mess up, right? like it's going to happen. And I think oh, yeah. it's so funny, <laughs> like what you said about, you know, I'll be great with it for like months. And then all of a sudden it's almost like you like black out and like, don't realize <laughs> how you're like, wait, what am I doing in bed with my phone? Like, it's, you know, and like, I don't know when things like that happen, it could be the same thing with like, you're really in like a great routine of exercise or with whatever. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you're like, wait, I haven't done that in two weeks. Like what, what just happened? And it's so, I don't know, like one of my continual lessons or like personal growth situations is always like not being an asshole to myself when that happens, right? <laughs> like it's so easy to like try to make that mean something when actually it's just that like I'm this like little human animal and sometimes I do different things than other times, right? And so it's like, okay, like that's cute. You like have your phone in bed. It doesn't mean you have to do it again tomorrow and the next day and you know, that it's... Totally. 
And then then the other part of it, or that I was just going to like wrap up with the year is that the other reason that I haven't even decided on all 12 topics, like all 12 experiments is because I'm trying to also kind of just trust that I will be able to come up with those experiments when I need them. Like, mm-hmm. I think, I think that's so important is just like this whole idea for the, the year long experiment in general came from all this anxiety of reading all these posts about, you know, resolutions and goals and, and just not wanting to add to that space and feeling all of that stress myself. Um, so I don't know. I just think that my gut has tr- taken me like trusting my gut has taken me down so many good routes already. So I trust that when I get to July, I will know whatever needs my attention and needs me to be more present. Uh, and so I'll just sort of, I'm sort of rolling with it. Cause someone asked basically if I could give them a list, like uh, in order of what I was doing. And I was like, Nope, I have no idea. <laughs> but I mean, I think that's realistic because it's, you don't know what you're going to need in November yet. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like being able to kind of check in with yourself in real time, I feel like makes it more of a, an actual impactful, meaningful project and not just like something to do for show, right? Like you could come up with a list of things, but it doesn't mean that when you got to July, if that thing wasn't really where your focus needed to be and what you needed to work on, then why are you doing it? Like just to say that you did like to put it on the internet, right? Like that's not, I don't know. I don't think that's a good enough reason. Totally. And I, what would I even get out of it? Like if I was working exactly. yeah, like if I was working on, on something that I didn't really need to be working on or just what if it what if it didn't even interest me anymore right like why would I work on it then uh so no no I I totally agree so it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see where the year does go um yeah yeah I'm looking forward to it though so tell me about the day that you first decided to start your blog wow um so originally, I started my blog in October of 2010 um, because I I knew that. Okay, I'm like, how do I explain this? Basically, I knew that I was in a lot of debt, and I knew I didn't like that I had all of this debt, and I I had all these feelings of like wanting to pay it off. Um, and so I started a blog that was totally anonymous and at the, back in 2010, I only had, I shouldn't say only, I had like $24,000 of consumer debt and I had, so I started this blog and my goal for it was literally just to keep track of my spending every day. Basically the way that, you know, if you're trying to track what you're eating, like track your calories, track your exercises, um, yeah, just all of that. I, I thought if I could track my spending, I would become a little more aware of where my money was going. And I wrote it for like four to six months. And uh, during this time was still doing all of the bad things that I was doing with my money. So I was actually going into more debt. Um, and yeah, I, I was just still doing all the wrong things. So I actually deleted my blog in like March of 2011. And then proceeded to go on what we could call like the final spending bender, I guess, um, which was also a drinking bender or like included a lot of it. Um, And I ended up at the end of April in 2011, I was completely maxed out with over $28,000 of debt. Uh, and at that point, like when you're maxed out, you have no choice, but to get serious about it. So I restarted my blog then. Uh, and yeah, I just, I knew like financially that was sort of my rock bottom and I just needed to start keeping track of 
whatever I was going to do to get out of it. So was there like one moment or a conversation or a realization, like what switch that made you decide to really do something about it? Like what, do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. Um, so at the end of April in 2011, I, I had, I had moved or I had like, I don't know, I had like temporarily relocated to Toronto thinking that I was going to start a new life for myself out there, which was something I had wanted to do since I was younger. Um, and instead I went out there and I basically spent like the $4,000 that I brought out with me, uh, on partying in, and I had to spend the last, I don't know, $350 that I had, uh, on a flight home because I had nothing and no job. And I had certainly not created any kind of a life for myself. Um, so I remember like I had all these little feelings like throughout it, which is where I always think like you have to trust your gut with stuff. Like, cause I, I would always have these little feelings like, Oh, I shouldn't have just spent that money or, you know, like my savings is depleting or, and I knew all these things were coming, but I just, you know, wasn't ready to face it. And then I remember when I got home, my parents had said to me the only, cause I, I had to move back in with my parents. Like I, again, had no choice. I was 25 and literally I would have, I don't know, slept in my car or had to go sleep on a friend's couch. So I asked my parents if I could come home just for a couple of months. And, uh, I remember they said no problem, but the only room that was left in the house was their downs. Like the way that my parents' house is set up, they have, um, two kitchens, but one, like the basement used to be, uh, rented out. And so, they lived in the basement, but not, but the kitchen was never used. So they were basically like, the only way that you can come home is if you put your bed in the extra kitchen. And so I just remember like walking into the kitchen the day that I got home and my bed was on the like concrete floor. And I remember it like being so cold on my feet that like you could feel the cold come up into your bones. And I just sat on the bed and I started bawling. And I mean, a, c- a couple other things happened that day. I finally opened uh, my credit card statement and looked at the full balance, which was something I'd been ignoring for months and months and months. I used to do this thing where I would only peel back like the top corner of my credit card statement just to see what the whatever the minimum payment was. Like I never wanted to see the full balance. I never even looked at my transactions. Like I just knew the whole thing was bad and I just wanted to make sure (laughs) I paid my minimum and, and just at least kept my good credit rating. But yeah, so a couple things happened that day, but I will never forget walking into that room and just being like, Oh my God, like this is, this is it. I, this is the situation that I'm in. And I now live in, I don't know, my parents' second kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, first of all, I'm like already obsessed with this level of honesty. This is going to be the best conversation. Um, So thank you for that. (laughs) But I feel like... It, for for better or worse, usually for better, once you wake up to what's true, you can't unwake up. And like some like this is how I felt with with drinking, right? That like mm-hmm. I sometimes I wish that I could go back to like when I really didn't know that it was such a problem because while it was a very self destructive time and I'm a much better person now, like it's really easy to be like have your head in the sand. Like there is something that idea that like ignorance is bliss, like that is real, <laughs> you know. So oh yeah, like yeah. <laughs> shit changes when you realize what's going on <laughs> like once you become really aware of the situation like your mentality shifts very quickly um and and things just got heavier you know like for months it things were heavier um 
Yeah. And actually, and I hadn't even thought about this in a while, but like physically, actually, I was everywhere. Like that, that whole thing, it, it wasn't like I'd hit rock bottom with everything yet because I wasn't ready to quit drinking yet then either. But um, when I'd moved home, I was also the heaviest I'd ever weighed. And I was definitely drinking the most I had ever drank. So it was it was a whole big mess. But really, the money was the only one I was able to look at just because that was the worst. Like I, I had no option at that point but to start looking at that. So where did that debt come from? Like when you think of that 28000 30000 however much it was, like what was that made up of? Um, so many mindless spending decisions and partying. So the mindless spending being the stuff like, I don't know, like I would say some of it was like, you know, just looking at credit cards, like they were a second bank account rather than a way to boost your credit score. Um, I used to, you know, I used to be at, at times like just really out there with them. Like I would go to the bar and I would just throw down my credit card to, and make that the tab for everyone and not care if anyone gave me money. Um, I used to, you know, do a lot of online shopping and, and it's so funny cause I still, to this day, I do not identify as like a shopaholic, but I was certainly someone who, um, uh, was very impulsive. So as soon as I would like mostly with books, as soon as I would hear about a book that I thought sounded interesting, or if a friend gave me a rave review of one, I would go to Amazon, add one to my shopping cart, and then literally just add anything else that looked good to get up to the $25 to get the free shipping. And I did that probably every two weeks for like 10 years. Um, and, and like, I don't know. So I, I think I did the math on that once. And it was like, that would be over, if I did two books every time, that would be over 500 books. And I would love to tell you that I've read over 500 books in those 10 years, but it was probably more like 100 or 150. Um, so I was just very impulsive with little things like that. Um, and yeah, just a lot of mindless spending, even just stuff like, you know, I would go to a store thinking, you know, you need to go in for two things and then I'd somehow walk out with five. Um yeah, there were so many, so many little things like that. But just truly using credit cards, like, like I don't know, it was just like this second bank account. So I didn't have to actually think about how much money I had because I always had money. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I, I'm always so... I want to say. I'm always so interested in the way, I mean, and obviously we're talking about this in the context of money and like debt racking up, but the same conversation could be had with basically any kind of pattern or habitual situation that like this idea that the small, like seemingly innocent things that if taken on their own really are no big deal, right? Like this isn't like, you're like, oh, I bought, you know, two like cars and that was my <laughs> yeah, dad, right? Or yeah. whatever that like, that where you could identify it to like, I took everyone I know on an around the world trip, right? Like it wasn't one specific thing. Like I almost think it's more interesting when it's the little things and the way that that kind of stuff stacks up, especially when we're not being honest with ourselves, right? That like you could, it's easy to say, well, this doesn't matter. Cause like, this is only $20, but mm-hmm. then I don't know, like I see a lot of your like sparking things for me in my own like past and like not necessarily money related, but with other things that it's so easy to be like, I don't know, like I already did this once, so I might as well just do it again. And then I'll start over tomorrow. Or like that happened with drinking with bad decisions or like each individual thing isn't necessarily a huge deal. But when you look over the course of, you know, a decade or whatever, that really does add up. 
Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many things I want to say about that, but yes. Um, Oh dang. What was I going to say? Dang. <laughs> what did you just say? Habits. Oh my God. I completely lost it. I'm so that's sorry. Okay. I, well, well, no, that's fine. One more thing I was going to say, maybe this will trigger it, that the, I feel like the good news or what I have learned is basically that the good news is that the opposite is also true. That like, or that like things stack up regardless of whether those things are self-destructive or whether they are healthful things that are good for you, right? That it's like, I look at, okay, well, whether I go for a run today or I don't, like that one run doesn't actually really matter, right? Like the Like if I run three miles or don't run three miles, like that's really not going to make or break my ability to run a marathon or to do whatever. But if you look at over the course of 16 weeks, right, or 20 weeks, that like those things do stack up and then all of a sudden, oh shit, like I'm really fit or I'm really that, I don't know, like I think I need that reminder that small things do matter on both sides of the same coin. Yeah. Well, and so if I, if I just stick to the topic of money on that one, that's where I, I have such a hard time. There's, there's all these conversations about there of, um, sort of, okay, well I'll start it by saying like, do you know what the latte factor is? Have you ever heard of that? The idea, uh, the idea of like, if you need to save money, you just like stop buying coffee or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you made it broader, just kind of get rid of all of your little unnecessary kind of expenditures like that. But so like, you know, maybe don't eat out lunch or stuff like that. Like in the personal finance world, people go back and forth all the time on arguing if that really matters. Like, you know, should you cut those things out? Should you not? Um, and I think it, it's still looking at it in all the wrong way. I think like we should really be looking at what our habits are and trying to change the bad ones. Just because you have takeout coffee does not mean that that is a bad habit. But if you like, what if the, that person instead, what if they're a gambler and why, why aren't we telling them to stop gambling or what, what if, you know, they just order way too much delivery at home? Like maybe even just cutting it in half would help a lot. Um, and so I don't know, I, I'm always kind of unsure of where I sit on that argument, but I, I do definitely believe uh, that it is habitual and that we should be looking at changing habits, not just dollar amounts per se. Totally. I mean, for me, when I think about that, you know, uh, obviously I'm not as in the personal finance space as you are, but I'm super interested in all this kind of stuff. And so I have read, yeah, things where it's very like, uh, pro the latte effect or whatever you called it, right? That's like yep. cut out all the unnecessary things, like small things add up, which like as a principle, as we just discussed, of course I believe, right? And yeah. then I've read the other side of that where it's like, you know, $4 here and there isn't going to make a difference if like you're spending an insane amount on rent to live in like a nice, you know, whatever trendy neighborhood or like I can see like the value in all the different arguments. And the thing that always kind of I kept coming back to for me personally was that it was less about the dollar amount of the thing than it was about kind of my emotional climate around that spending choice, right? That like, what is it about like having lunch out, for example, if that's something I do every day, like it's not the $10 or the $15, like what is it? Do I want to feel included with the other people that are doing that? Like what's the, I don't know, like trying to look at the why behind the decisions. And I don't know, like I've never made any sustainable change, just changing the behavior and not digging into the things that are underneath it. Yeah, well, and I would say I didn't I didn't really understand this, I think, until I sort of embraced minimalism. But I would say that that is um, uh, just basically trying to look at your spending and making sure that it aligns with what they would say is like your values 
right? So like, what, are you, what do you actually get value out of, out of? And and really looking at every one of those decisions. Because again, if it's if if there's anything negative about it, you're not getting something from it. So that is what, that is a habit that you should be changing. It's again, it's not about dollar values. It's just like, what is actually bringing you joy or what is actually helping you in your life and what's not. And so letting mm-hmm. go, letting go of the stuff that's not. Okay. So going back to your sobbing on the bed in the extra <laughs> kitchen in your parents' house and you've decided to do something about this debt that you've accumulated, what were your first couple of steps? Like, did you have a plan in place? What was the first thing that you did? No, I, yeah, I mean, I had a couple of vague plans, not really knowing what they were going to do. One was that, um, okay, so I should say when I, when I had gone on my like little adventure to Toronto and wasted all my savings, um, uh, I had at that time, I, all I had done was taken a leave of absence from the job that I had in my hometown. Um, so I just went back to work. Uh, and so I, I was lucky in that sense and that I was able to go back and start earning income. And I asked my parents if I could stay home for six months and then they didn't, it was funny. Um, my family's always been very open and honest with each other. Like we sort of joke that there are no secrets in our family. Um, but I, and I, I always hate even admitting it, but they know it now. So what can you do? Um, I totally lied to them about that. I never told them back then how much debt I had. I told them that I had some and that I would, I just asked really nicely if I could stay at home for six months and try and pay off as much as I could. And, and then, so I guess that part was true, but I never told them how much I had or that I was maxed out or anything like that. Um, and so my goal was to stay at home and in the six months pay off $10,000 and, I remember doing the math on that and realizing I'd have to pay off like almost $1,700 a month and sort of looking at it and being like, why am I setting this goal? Like, I can't possibly do that. Uh, but then I did. <laughs> so uh, it, it is very interesting, but it all came down to the decisions I was making every single day. So, um, you know, I had I had no experience with budgeting. I had no experience with paying attention to my money at all in in any shape or form. Um, and so what I did is I, number one, I started my blog, but I literally just took a notebook and I remember it was like a really old notebook that was probably from grade school. And I had found it in the basement and opened it up. And it was sort of like one of those things where the last, you know, 15 or 20 pages of the book hasn't been used. So I'm like, well, I'll just scribble in this. And every single day when I would spend money or put money towards debt or whatever, I would always just scribble it in this notebook and and just that act, uh, doing it every single day, made me become so much more mindful about where my money was going, and 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 just showed me things you can't ignore. Like when you start writing down that you're spending two dollars and ninety one cents at Starbucks every single day, sometimes twice. Like you cannot ignore uh, that that you are spending money a lot, even though it's a small amount that you're doing it often. Um, and so that was one thing. I mean, I I tracked my spending for months. I I just kept cutting back more and more and I lived, I mean, that year, it's funny cause I, um, I, after I'd paid off my debt, I did this like two year shopping ban thing, but <laughs> we could talk about that. But like, I honestly basically did it for the two years I was paying off my debt as well. Like I, I literally just didn't buy anything. Um, I, I think I got one haircut like a year, uh, and just, I don't know. I didn't buy anything. I didn't go out really all that much. Um, I drank a lot less. Like I would still find ways to, 
uh, you know, enjoy a cheap bottle of wine or something with friends, but I didn't really go out for drinks anymore. Um, yeah, no, I was just super, super frugal. And, uh, the, the other part of it was that, again, I don't know that it's good, but I think when you're in that deep, like my blog was anonymous. I didn't, none of my friends knew about my debt or anything. Um, and so I think you just keep lying about it in a way. Like I was so ashamed of it. And so, you know, if friends were like, Oh, do you want to go for dinner? I was in school. And so I had the fortunate excuse of just being able to say I was busy doing homework. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. I just, I just said a lot of things like that until, until like way later when most of the debt was gone and I finally started telling people about it. Um, but I don't know, I just kind of hold up and didn't spend money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was going to be one of my next questions about just kind of your emotions and your like mental state at that time. Because I think to go from, you know, not being able to let yourself open the full credit card statement to writing down every every single thing that you're spending, right? And like really, I don't know, like taking a 180 on this, I, I'm it just I wonder how you were how you were feeling about it. Yeah, I mean, not great. It was funny because in some ways I felt like I had more control of my life than I had in a really long time. But I just, I mean, the situation wasn't good, so I didn't feel good. Um, So I don't know, like it felt good seeing my debts go down. And that's where in so many ways I've always given a lot of credit to my like my blog and just the people, like anyone who was reading and supporting me during that time because I I truly don't think that if I, or I truly think that if I didn't have everyone kind of there to both stay accountable to, and even just the support that everyone gave me, I don't know that I would have paid it off as quickly as I had, or like, what if I had even given up? I I don't know. I think, so I give a lot of credit to the fact that I was also being accountable, even as a anonymous blogger and, and a lot of anonymous readers back then, um, yeah, it, it wasn't good, but the the blog helped it a lot, a lot. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like from the way that you're describing it that it was the overarching decision of cutting out as many things as possible to just kind of really dump that money towards the debt. Like, is that what you felt like you were doing? Was that the plan? Just like anything that can go goes. Yeah, that was exactly it. And and then that's where I think it's t- it was good and also tough. Like, I think that I was I as I was making progress on it, I sort of set this goal of like, I want it all gone in two years, two years or less. That's my goal. And like, when I look back, obviously it's always like in hindsight, right? But when I look back, I wish that I hadn't been quite that aggressive because the, the only problem with the way that I did it was I had no balance. Um, like I, you know, I wasn't saving really anything. I wasn't really having any fun. And I felt Um, not like I was punishing myself or anything, but like, I just felt deprived. Like I felt like I wasn't getting anything that I wanted. And so in honest, like, honestly, I wasn't learning kind of all the lessons that I should have been learning. The only lesson I really learned was that if I set a financial goal, I can, I can probably make it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but there was a lot of, yeah, I just did not find any kind of balance in it. If I had done it differently, I would have loved to even just taken two and a half or three years to pay it off because that still would have been great. Like even if I was, you know, paying off 10,000 a year for three years, that would have been great. Um, but 
but it's, yeah. it's funny how, like you said, like the, the wisdom of hindsight, whatever, like that's, I think about that with quitting drinking a lot too. And just like how like obsessively I threw myself into running and like needing to kind of like you transfer obsessions from one thing to another thing. And like, it's easy now with all of the kind of personal self growth, you know, emotional work, whatever, and like coping mechanisms of, and skills that I've built in like the subsequent five and a half years to look back and think of all the ways that I could have done it maybe healthier or more balanced. But if I'm really honest, like that was the best that I could do. Like sometimes you do need a dramatic, like, you know, the pendulum has to go from like all the way one side to all the way the other side to be able to like even settle somewhere that feels like more sustainable. Oh, a hundred percent. And also because I can, I can say that then all the other changes I made, like, which came later with things like after I've paid off my data, you know, I then kind of went back into some old habits of not overspending but like spending more than I needed to and all these other things, all the different things that I've written about since um, and the lessons that came from them, none of those would have happened if I had done my debt re- repayment differently. So uh, yeah, no regrets. And I, I always try to live that way or I feel that, think that way about everything. Like definitely no regrets of how I've done it. I did it that way for a reason. That's what felt good at the time. Um, it, it's more one of those things that now, like when people ask me about their own debt repayment, I, I do encourage people to try and at least find some balance, even if it's just like, you know, give yourself $50 a month for entertainment and whatever entertainment means to you. Like maybe that mm-hmm. does, maybe that does mean buying a couple of books. Maybe it means going out for dinner and drinks. Maybe, maybe it means going to a concert or to a movie or whatever, like whatever it is for you, just give yourself a little bit. Um, because just because you've gotten yourself into debt doesn't mean that like you're the worst person in the world and you shouldn't be able to have any fun in life. Um, and that's certainly yeah. like, that's certainly how I treated myself. Like I was like, as though I'd made this colossal mistake and I had to like, I don't know, pay my penance for it or something. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up because I think the reason that money is such an interesting topic to me, I mean, I feel like money Uh, in terms of interesting topics is up there with like religion and like our obsession with being thin. And like, there's something about like, I don't know, in sex, like there's these topics that like, we feel a lot of shame around things. Right. And I think that, I don't know, like people have such entrenched stuff when it comes to money and that there's, it's almost like we attach a lot of morality to it, or at least that's kind of been like my experience, like with myself and having these kind of conversations that like you're, you know, if you're not good with money, then like that means you're not a good person. And obviously I'm simplifying it, but I don't know, like I feel myself coming up against that stuff, even now that I essentially know better. Right. But it's, it just, it is interesting the, how it's about, it's not as kind of clear cut and objective. Like it seems like money should just be an objective thing, right? Like it's numbers, they add up to something or they don't Mm -hmm. or whatever, but there's a lot of, it is easy to have kind of a lot of self-judgment or to make it mean something. Right. Oh, I think, I mean, I think you just said everything in that it's, I would say that the majority of the conversations that I have with people who comment on my blog or who email me to talk kind of privately, um, there's like, whether we like it or not, there's so much emotion in money. That's the reason why it's still like the last taboo, you know, like it's, it, there's so much emotion in it. Like people can talk about what they're doing in the bedroom or what they're doing in the bathroom, but like you do not want to talk about whatever shape your finances are in. Uh, of course, unless you're doing well, then people have a, not everyone, but you have more comfort in talking about it if your finances are in good shape. And that's cause there's a, there's a lot of emotion in it. Um, so no, it's, it's definitely true. And it's, it's sort of unfortunate, but it's, that's where I think like for me, the biggest thing I try to encourage people to do is 
just be if if you even didn't grow up in an environment where you know you felt super comfortable talking about money with family or friends like just try to be the one who maybe brings those conversations up yourself. So even if it's as simple as like asking a friend, like what credit card do you use and why do you use that one? Um, just really like what bank do you use? Like what interest rate do you have? What should I know about this? Like, I think that, um, one of the things I've noticed about money most is that people feel a lot of fear in like, or like, I don't know, it's like we feel like we need to know all of the answers when yeah. really like just because it's common sense now to me, I'm very aware that it was not common sense to me five years ago and that it's not common sense to most people. Like whatever your common sense is, is really only based off of something that you might have had an interest in or that you've been learning about your whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just really being, I don't know, I just think it's so important. Like if you can be the one who starts little conversations like that, I just think the more we can talk about it, the more we'll all learn from each other and we'll all benefit. I could not agree with you more. And I love that you're sharing not just your own personal stories, but I mean, even already there's like practical advice or tips or, you know, even what you said about give yourself, whether it's $50, like a small entertainment budget, you know, be the one to bring up money and conversations like with the people in your life. Is there anything else like that that you feel like has just been proven to you to be just good advice? I think it's so funny because this is one of my favorite questions to answer because I I think and hope that my answer is different from most, which is, and I've sort of already said it, but it's really just trusting your gut. Like, I think that every time you go, especially to swipe, there's something different. Like, every time you go to swipe for something, I think that your gut always tells you if you should be spending that money or not. Um, it, there's a, at least I, I had it for years. I had this little voice that was constantly like, you should not be spending money right now. You should not be swiping for something more right now. You should not be doing that. Um, and even now that I'm out of debt, I still have moments where I'm like, I should be saving more. I should be, you know, so it's not about like, oh, you're going into debt. It's just like, you know, do you really want to be spending that money? Cause you could be doing this. You have this other goal that you are trying to work towards. Um, and so I think it's just listening to yourself. I think that we t- like don't trust ourselves enough or we're very quick to kind of push away our own thoughts in the moment for whatever seems better. Um, this is also why, like, I, I think, you know, it took me, well, okay. Like I, I knew for so long I was going into debt, you know, and I originally started the blog at, at a different time because I was like, Oh, I'm in a bad situation. And then, but I was still ignoring it. You know, I was still ignoring the voice and it's the same way. Like I thought about quit, quitting drinking probably like 12 times or like attempted it probably 12 times before I actually quit drinking. Uh, but it's always like every, all of those instances, there's a little voice that's kind of telling you what's going on. And I think that trusting it can, yeah, it's, it's so much more powerful than we think. Yeah. I mean, I think you made a good point before about how anything in like the money, saving, investing, budgeting, like and something in that realm, I do think that there's a lot of fear of, I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. There's experts that know more than me. And like, while that's obviously going to be 
true. There's always someone that knows more than you, right? Like in every or more than all of us Mm -hmm. in any situation. But I think that I know for me, it was this was an area in which I was very quick to give my power away because I felt like, oh, no, I don't know enough. This person on the Internet or this person that works at this bank and, you know, they know and forgetting that, like, everyone has an agenda. Right. And that I'm an intelligent, capable, grown ass woman and I can learn some (laughs) stuff and make decisions. And then when I know better then I can do better and just like one thing at a time. And it was really empowering for me to just to. I don't know, to decide that I'm going to do this, right? Even though I don't know what I'm doing. And for me, like I have never had a, like I guess what people would call a traditional job. Like I've never gone into an office year round, like nine to five or whatever. Like I've always had seasonal jobs or a collection of part-time things or been self-employed or done whatever. So there was also never any structure of like, this is how much money is coming in every other week for the whole year, whatever. And so I just had all these stories that I told myself about, well, you know, I've never had a 401k and I don't know what that is. So therefore, you know, I don't know anything about how to have retirement money outside of that. Like there's just so much stuff and I don't know, to stop and be like, wait, I'm smart. Like I can learn some stuff. I can do this. Like I love your advice about just trusting yourself and like trusting that even if you don't know, you can figure it out. Right. And like you can try stuff. And then if that doesn't work, then you can try something different. Right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, and I think um, it, it it does. I actually have found that the more you can we can call them dumb questions, but no question is dumb. But the more questions that I've asked people that I had absolutely no idea what the answer to was. Uh, the more confident I get in asking questions. And then later, the more confident I I have gotten in trusting that I can figure out which advice is worth taking and which advice doesn't work for me. Um, So that's another thing is like, just because someone tells you how they do something doesn't mean you have to do it their way. Um, but mm-hmm. just, but just that, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of information out there. It's easy to find, but it's also easy to get confused. Like right now I've been looking lately at, um, what it would take to get a mortgage being self-employed. And it, it's so funny. I used to work, I was the managing editor for a mortgage rate comparison site. And you would think that I would know all of these answers already, but the fact is rules change all the time. And, and also for stuff like this, it is different for all kinds of circumstances. It is not that cut and dry. Um, and so it's been very interesting to feel again, like, whoa, I actually have no idea what's going on or like what I would need to do. And so, but just like kind of reaching out to a bunch of different people I know and saying, I need to have some conversations. It's not about making decisions. I have no idea when I will ever buy a place, if I will ever buy one, but I'm like, I'm just curious right now. I would like some answers. So Right, that there's value in asking questions and just collecting information. Yeah, totally. Yep, yep. So, you know, back when you started to pay off this debt, it seemed like your financial goal was pretty clear cut, which was to get out of debt. And so now that that has happened, and I know obviously time has passed since then, what would you say your financial goals are right now or maybe this year? Like what's what's important to you or what does that look like? <laughs> I'm actually so glad we're talking about this because um uh I would say that I have it's not like I've been floundering with this for a long time. I've become a really good saver, like I'm really good at stockpiling money, but I have had I just I don't know, I don't have that many clear-cut goals right now. Um I think part of it is like home ownership is insanely expensive up here. Um you know, I think Vancouver is now potentially the most expensive city in North America to buy a home in. 
Um, and, and so, you know, I've, I don't really have a lot of dreams of that or goals of that. Uh, I, I think about it sometimes. So I like look into things, but yeah, so that's not really a goal. I also, uh, don't, I don't know, like I, I own a car, like I own it outright. Um, I don't know. So like, I'm always like, I just kind of save and I do put money aside into retirement. Uh, and that's about it. And then I like to spend money on travel. So, I don't know. I don't know if those are like great things to tell people only because I'm like, I think my situation's different. I don't have a lot of the like traditional, like I want a house and 2.5 kids and like all of that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really thinking about any of those things, but I'm just kind of saving for whatever is coming. I don't know if that's a great answer. (laughs) No, I mean, it's an honest answer, which is all that we can give each other. But okay, so then if it's not like you're saving for a specific thing, what do you do with your money? Like tangibly, like the money comes in, like, do you have a, this is one savings account and everything goes in there? Like, can you talk me through like specifically what you do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, it has changed a lot since I've become self-employed. Um, so when I was not self-employed, when I still had a full-time job, uh, as soon as money came in, like I had a monthly budget that had dollar amounts of how much I wanted to be putting aside for retirement every month. So I would do that. Um, I always was kind of building an emergency savings fund. uh, And yeah, and then I would just invest for retirement. Um, Now it's quite different because being self-employed, I just feel this need to have like an extra cushion at all times. That was one of the first things I did before I even considered quitting my job was I had built up about $10,000 cash uh, just as like a just in case, right? Like what if I don't get paid for two months or something? Or, Cause mm-hmm. that, that happens with some clients. Um, what if I, you know, don't earn a lot this month, but then I earn a ton of money three months later. Um, income fluctuates so dramatically being self-employed. Uh, and so I've always just felt more comfortable having that cushion. So I've never let my emergency fund get below $10,000. Um, but I also have, I was just kind of sharing this with some friends the other day. I also have, especially this time of year where we're coming up on tax season. Um, I find the first quarter of the year, I don't really invest, like invest being, you know, investing for retirement. I don't really do that for a few months, mostly just out of fear that when tax time comes, maybe I didn't save enough for it. So I don't want to get hit with a massive tax bill uh, and then find I can't afford it because I've just invested all this money in my retirement that you can't pull out anymore. Um, So I stockpile a lot of money, like in savings, uh, just like a basic savings account. I will stockpile, I don't know, like right now, I'll probably by tax time have at least 10 or 15,000 in there. But then when tax, like I also have all my money set aside for taxes that I hope is enough. So when I'm done filing my taxes, then I will probably invest a huge chunk into retirement. Um, And I have found in general, since I've been self-employed that because you're not earning regular income, I don't feel comfortable investing like, you know, every week or every payday or whatever, because those things don't really exist for me. Um, So I find that I am more investing like lump sums of money every couple of months. Yeah, totally. I mean, again, there's no right or wrong way really to do things. I'm just always, I love when people are willing to talk about, here's what I do, right? Because yeah. I feel like there's such like, I don't know, even just like getting a group of people together, I'd be like, what do you do with your money? What do you do with your money? Like, it's so interesting to me. I don't know. Like maybe, I think we're all just like super voyeuristic also. Oh, totally. But like, I, it is so interesting. Like my friend Carrie, we have a podcast together and Carrie's so interesting to me because she has like 17 savings accounts and that's how she budgets. 
So like, you know, she saves, she will actually save, you know, whatever it is, like $50 a month for Christmas. And that, that has a separate account. And, and she will have just all, all those different kinds of things. Like she needs a new pair of glasses every couple of years. So she will save for that yeah. constantly. I, and, I do the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I find that so interesting. Whereas I would just like, I don't know what we would call it. I don't know if it would be just like a rainy day fund or whatever. It's just a savings account, but I just keep a lot of money in it. That's funny. I have that too. I mean, I have, well, I mean, obviously things are different for me now being married. Like I feel like money in relationships is also an interesting thing, right? To have to work through. But I, because the kind of very long story short of this, my parents had a lot of money and then didn't and declared bankruptcy. And it was this like very dramatic thing when I was essentially like just starting high school, like huge life change, like went from having money to having like basically no money and me working as much as I could. And so I developed this like serious kind of like scarcity thing around money. Right. And that like, okay, working and paying for myself from like being 15 years old on and like never feeling like there's a safety net or there's someone who could bail me out or, you know, cause they were in a worse situation than I was basically. And a lot of it came from my dad made all of the decisions and my mom kind of had her head in the sand about it. Right. Again, everyone does the best they can until they mm-hmm. know better. But so for me, I was like, no, Nope, I'm budgeting. I'm in charge of the money like forever. And so I'm like very, I have my own system, like super meticulous. And that was, I mean, I'm lucky that it's funny. My husband hates all that kind of stuff and I love it so much. And so he loves that I want to be in charge of it. And it would be so painful for me to not be the one in charge of it. So it's like, (laughs) it's, but yeah, I have, I have like a, or we have, I guess, a emergency fund that like I think of as actual like to me that's actually emergencies right like some medical thing comes up or like the car all of a sudden right like we need something happens but the kind of savings buckets like where you were saying your friend has for me it's things that are they're not emergencies they're not unexpected but they're not monthly purchases and they're relatively big like my husband has to get new contacts you know every December at the optometrist which like is like five or six hundred dollars for the year right so it's like those kind of things if we save a little bit of money every month into that savings account when it comes it's not like all of a sudden in December like oh shit there's and like same thing with like car insurance we pay our car insurance once a year right so yeah it's yeah that totally does work for me but I mean I feel like so much of this is figuring out whatever system it is work that works for you and like being okay with however I don't know like weird and specific that like I my system might seem so confusing to somebody else but it totally works for me you know well and that's the thing is like finding the one that does work for you is so important because then you'll actually stick with it you know what I mean like if you're trying to follow a method that makes sense for somebody else if it does not fit into your life or fit into your psyche even like it's just it's not going to work for you and those kinds of things are what will lead to failure so oh, I think totally. it, I yeah. think it's really important. And yeah, I, I just I don't know. It is really fascinating always listening to what other people do. And I also think that I guess my other piece of advice just in listening to that would be that it reminds me of the fact that my system has changed many times. Right. Like mm-hmm. and I, but I've had to let it like and I've had to really work with that. Like I thought that I would. I thought I would understand or that I understood what it was going to be like to be self-employed. And then, then I had like the month where I earned $600, but then the next one where I earned like 12,000 and you're like, what just happened? Oh yeah. I've been there for sure. (laughs) That is, so that's real life now. So it's, I, I'm constantly changing. And then it's funny. I had actually gotten into a system where I was finding my spending was basically the same every month. So I stopped budgeting because I just trusted that I would always spend the same amount and I'm I'm still doing that, but this year I guess it is a goal for me. I am actually going to uh, not try to stick to a budget, but just really look at my numbers a bit more, and I don't know, just make sure I'm actually happy with them. I'll say. Um, 
Because I think Are you toward- someone. Oh, sorry. Go oh ahead. no, I was going to say, but I think towards the end of last year, I wasn't happy with like all my numbers. But I'm excited for your question. <laughs> I was going to say, are you someone who uses like specific apps or software or something like when it comes to money or budgeting? Is there anything you like? No, because I've never found anything that works. Um, Interesting. That's how I felt until I st- I've tried. I feel like I've tried everything until I started using the um, I'm sure you've tried it. You need a budget software. Oh, uh huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing. It took me like a month or so to kind of switch from my crazy like many page Excel, <laughs> Excel spreadsheet right to that. And that's the only thing I found that I'm like, this makes sense. I love this. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm I made a planner because I couldn't find one that I liked. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so no, I, I physically like made an actual annual planner because I couldn't for budgeting because I couldn't find anything that made sense for me because I needed my system. I needed to be able to write down what I spent every day and, and to just check in with the numbers. That's all I needed to do. Uh, and so I just made it instead, but the, the, That's app, awesome. st- the app stuff is um, funny too. Cause I, I get that question from a lot of people. And again, I would just say, um, try them all try anything, right? Like, yeah, maybe, maybe and try also don't get m- caught up so much on like needing to find an app, right? Like you don't totally. like people did budget. I don't know, for me, I just happened to find something that really works. But it has like this software, I think has functionality where you can have it like, automatically plug into your bank accounts or whatever. And so it like pulls transactions. And I have all that turned off because like, there's something about I need to do it manually. Like I need to be like, I spent this much money at the grocery store about so it's again, like even with a system, sometimes you still have to figure out like what you need to change, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense to me though, because it is you having to enter, you entering it manually is, is just that extra step of like you being a little more mindful about it. So totally. So you mentioned something before that I definitely want to go back to, and this is when you did a two year shopping ban. So tell me where did this idea come from? What were the rules? Like what, what you like, obviously you didn't like not buy anything. We have to buy food, right? So like, what was, what was your two year shopping ban? Tell me about that. So, um, so it started, okay. We'll go back to like the voice in your head thing. I'll say, because basically what happened was that, you know, I finished paying off my debt in 2013 and then, and in that time, like there were months that I was putting up to like 55% of my income towards debt repayment. And, and now I did say, and I still stand by this, like that was a bit too aggressive. Um, in just that I wasn't, I wasn't getting or like finding whatever I did value and, and feeling like I was just having a little bit of balance with it. But so I had, you know, was debt free, uh, had essentially all my money was mine again. And for the next year, I was like every single month, I would set this goal of like, I want to save at least 20% of my income. But what I quickly realized was that I'd never been a good saver. Um, and I, I think I also floundered because of the fact that I didn't really have a savings goal, you know, except for to be investing for retirement. Um, and so I would find that I, or I, I went back to sort of like, again, not overspending, not going into debt, but spending the majority of my income. So like there were months that I would get to the end and do up my budget and be like, wow, I saved 5% of my income. Uh, and I did that every single month. And I would write these as blog posts. Like I would, <laughs> at the beginning of the month, I would say, I'm going to save 20%. And at the end I would go, Hey guys, I only saved like 7% and here's why. And I would always justify like whatever my spending was. Um, and I, after I'm, I hate that it took me a year, but it took me a year. And finally I, I, uh, just realized that I was not comfortable with how much I was spending. Um, 
And it also came from a conversation that I had with my sister who was only like, I don't know, 19 at the time, maybe, or 20, where she had, you know, told me about some extravagant purchase she had made. And I knew she wasn't earning a ton of money. So I was like, how did you afford that $500 purchase? And she's like, well, I save at least 30% of my income every month so I can do whatever I want with the rest. And I was like, whoa, like, how do you save 30% of your income? Like, what the heck am I doing? Um, and so it just, it really made me think about it. So it, it really stemmed from the fact that I just wasn't comfortable with how much I was spending. And I knew I could do better because I had done better when I was paying off my debt. Um, and then the other part of it came from sort of this day where I really looked around my apartment and realized that there was nothing more that I needed. Like I had like a stockpile of toiletries and, um, more, more unread books than I would get through in even a year. Uh, and so I just kind of had this idea that, you know, for one, I, it was originally for one year. Like the idea was that I wouldn't buy anything unless I absolutely needed it. Uh, I could still buy, I would say like consumables. So food, gas for my car, things like that. Um, but other than that, it was like, if it was a non-essential, it did not need to be purchased. Uh, and I started that in July, 2014 and, and yeah, I ended up doing it for two full years, which was pretty, pretty interesting. (laughs) So at the beginning of that, what were the fears that you had? Like, what were your concerns or what were you scared of? Or what were kind of the, like any stories you were telling yourself about, like where you might trip up? I think, um, I don't know if it was so much of a fear, but just really, uh, not knowing what the year was going to look like is what, what concerned me more. So just kind of wondering, like, could I actually do this? Like, what am I setting myself up for right now? Cause I like made it very public on my blog. I'm like, yo friends, guess what I'm going to do? Not shop for a year. And like, like I, you know, when I was paying down my debt, I knew how powerful it was to stay accountable. And also if I was putting it out there, then I really wanted to stick to it. Um, And so I think it was more that, like, what am I actually setting myself up for? What is going to come at me really not knowing? Um, Aside from that, I mean, early on, I figured out some stuff, which was that the only thing that was really tough about the whole thing was changing habits, which doesn't really surprise. Like now that I look back, I'm like, again, that doesn't surprise me that that was what was hard is. And so my habits were still around things like, like buying things on Amazon, you know, like I was still in that spot of like, anytime I thought of a book that I wanted to read, I would just buy it. And then I had this huge stack of books that I'd still never read. Um, and so being faced with that constantly, uh, during, during the shopping ban, um, was sort of really the only struggle was that, uh, learning my habits around, takeout coffee, which sounds so silly. And I, I, it's that actually, I guess is a consumable. So I'll explain that I, I still drank takeout coffee quite regularly. And when I decided to start the shopping ban, um, I decided I would also include that because I just wasn't comfortable with how much I was spending on it. Uh, and so a year without takeout coffee. Yeah, I get, it sounds so silly to like say that that was I knew that was going to be tough, but it, it was tough. It was weird because I had so many habits around when I would pick it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like what it represents for you. I mean, I look at, it's funny, the shopping thing. I remember when I, I did a year, this was a while ago, um, 
I did a year of not buying any clothes. Like that was the thing for me that I was like, okay, not buying any clothes unless all of a sudden like all my underwear gets destroyed and something (laughs) and I need new underwear or something, which like didn't happen. But I wasn't going to like, right, if I needed something emergency style, but I was like not going to buy any clothes. And what I realized was my kind of clothes buying habits, it wasn't like I was spending tons of money or doing it all the time, but it would be like on a day where I was kind of feeling sad or bummed out and would just like go to the mall and walk around and like randomly like buy shit at Old Navy that I didn't need that like wasn't well made. And, you know, just, and I would come home with like all these things and it it wasn't, again, it wasn't the number amount. I wasn't going into debt because this, but I'm like, this behavior I don't know. This isn't the way that I want to self-soothe, basically, right? That I'm like, I want to have something else because it didn't actually make me feel better. And so it was just interesting to kind of look at what my habit is. And I think for for a lot of people, the like takeout coffee example is another one. It's like the bright spot sometimes in like a hard work day is like, I'm going to go and I'm going to treat myself and I'm going to get this coffee, which there's nothing wrong with that if you're comfortable with it, right? But like what I'm hearing you say is you weren't comfortable with whatever your habits were around these couple of things. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad that you brought up the, um, I mean, in personal finance, you call it retail therapy, right? But I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't realize that I did that until uh, during the the first year of the shopping ban, I went through a breakup. And in that, mm. I could not, could not believe the number of times I thought about shopping and the stories I was telling myself in my head of why it would be okay. Like I was constantly justifying why it would be okay for me to buy a new iPhone. Like I, I did not need a new iPhone. Uh, and, and it was just so interesting to really have to pay attention to it. It was, it, it honestly, one of the things I learned most during the shopping ban was actually um, more about all the reasons I used to drink because it was all those same kinds of things, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was always, not always, I mean, sometimes you just went out to party, but there were so many um, reasons I drank that that I did have or habits I had around it. Like if this bad thing happened, then I drank this kind of liquor usually, or if, yeah, there was just all kinds of that. And I didn't really understand that until I also couldn't shop because then I had nothing left. Like I really had to deal with whatever. And then then you have to deal with yourself and like that's (laughs) agonizing sometimes. You know, no, I've been been there. I've been there. It's, you know, I mean, I'm glad you brought up the justifications thing because something that I have learned, it's been a hard earned lesson over the years is that one of the biggest red flags for me with my own behavior is when I am in a position of needing to justify myself, not necessarily even to other people, but like when I'm justifying myself to myself, that's for me like ding, 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 some things not right here. Because if I just feel good about a choice, then it doesn't, I don't have to justify it, right? Like if it's, well, I deserve this because, or, you know, I'm going to eat this because, or I'm going to do that, you know, and I start like coming up with the reasons like why it's okay. And I need to like present an argument to myself, like already that's a red flag that probably I shouldn't be doing that thing. Mm-hmm. I would say right now I'm dealing with that, but in time management. <laughs> what do you like mean? A- Um, like I've noticed that I will justify, uh, you know, why I'm taking a whole evening off from working because I've already gotten enough done today. But then I have that nagging voice where I'm like, no, you actually have to finish this thing though. Like, and it is due in X number of days. So I think it comes up all the time, Mm -hmm. like in all different areas. so So interesting. So during the two year period, was there a specific time that you remember where you were really tempted to give it up? Um, probably more like, actually, yeah, I guess there was one time where I, I did give it up, but then realized very quickly what had happened and was able to, uh, hit, hit cancel on the order I had just placed. 
Um, it was Black Friday, which is it almost pisses me off that I even have to admit that because I hate Black Friday. Like I hate everything that it stands for. But um, it was the circumstances were so weird. So I had I was I had promised that I or I was doing a giveaway for an e-reader on my blog at the time and uh, knew that it was going to be on sale. And so I didn't actually purchase the e-reader until until Black Friday. And then when I was looking at it, all of these thoughts, because it was way cheaper than I was expecting it to be, and all these thoughts started coming in about how annoying my own e-reader was. Um, so, you know, it, my e-reader had essentially gotten to the point where the power button didn't work, and just to turn it on, you had to uh, stick a little pin in, like, the reset little hole button thing. Uh, and and it was annoying, and it was more annoying for things like when you're on a plane and you forget that you... <laughs> didn't bring a little pin of any kind. And so then you can't read. Um, but it wasn't really that big of a deal, but I convinced myself and justified it that it was somehow going to like make my life so much better if I had a new e-reader and I made the purchase. And like 15 seconds later, I was like, what did you just do? Like I completely talked myself into that. I do not need that. Uh, so I hit cancel. I only ordered the one to give away and uh, what's what's more interesting from that is that I have found, because of my old reader being so annoying anyways, I've just naturally gravitated to not using it, and I'm so much happier just reading books again. And and it really, the whole thing just showed me, like, I don't even want an e-reader. Like, what would I have done if I had wasted whatever it was? It was $70 or something, like, on something, again, I didn't actually need, but I just convinced myself that I needed um, so yeah, it's not like a huge example of like, oh, you know, I went and blew a thousand dollars on something, but right. it was, it was just, it is that simple of like anything that you is out there that you could convince yourself that you need that you don't actually need. Um, so that was one. And then, I mean, shit got really hard when I found out my parents were getting divorced. So that was like in the last, maybe like four the last half, like the last four to five months really of the shopping there of the first year um, that I found out my parents were splitting up, which was just so unexpected. Like we had just had uh, the best Christmas, I think of like my entire life. We did like a minimalist Christmas, no gifts. It was such an incredible day. And then like a month later, my sister calls me being like, I think mom and dad are splitting up. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like everything was perfect like three weeks ago. And, and I think yeah, it got it got really real for me after that. I think that I went through a few months of like pretty serious unhappiness, both with that and um, I was pretty unhappy at my job at the same time. And so I think I didn't actually like I can't name specific things that I wanted to purchase, but it just the cravings were there a lot more. Like I just wanted to soothe and I couldn't with anything. So what did you do instead? Like, how did your, you know, in hindsight, like what kind of other coping mechanisms or skills have come out of this for you of like wanting to do the thing, retail therapy, whatever, and not doing it? I think one thing that really helped, um, which has just helped a lot in general, I would say like, since I've like quit drinking a few years ago is that I was, I spent a lot more time outside, um, just whether it's a walk or a run or a hike or whatever, um, I've just always feel a lot better if I do that instead. Um, and the other thing that was just really, really hard is I had to learn how to feel things. And that meant a lot of crying and a lot of uh, just really dealing with it and talking to friends and and just 
really trying to understand all the feelings I was going through and actually feel them rather than try to hide them or mask them or whatever. The beautiful agony of feeling your feelings. <laughs> Amen. Girl, I am with you. Yeah. And, you know, I love that that was your answer because I agree on like the going outside, being active, having good relationships, like for sure those things like help me live like a sane, balanced, like fulfilling, enjoyable life. But also like we want an easy answer to that, right? Like, well, how can I just like stop mm-hmm. doing the thing that's not good for me like immediately, right? Like we want it to be that you know, 10 step life hack, like you can stop shopping by no, no, like it's, there's, it's hard for a reason. Like hard stuff is hard. Change is hard. Unlearning, you know, years, maybe decades of behaviors, having entrenched emotional stuff and shame and like, it's hard. Right. So like, I love that you're not here being like, well, these are the three things that are going to make this like so simple over and over again. No, it's hard. Like, it's try, like you, like we can offer, you know, some tips, like some things that have worked, you know, for you, for me or whatever on any subject, but I don't know, like it's very, it's always refreshing for me to be like, no hard stuff is just hard and feeling your feelings is sometimes the worst, you know? Well, was the, it was the worst. Like I remember one day texting my girlfriend because I was also so self-aware of the fact that I was in this state where I was basically like complaining every day. And I remember texting my best friend, Emma, and just being like, I want to apologize for how like negative Nancy I've been lately. Um, and I just said, I'm like, I don't even know, like maybe I'm actually dealing with depression. I have absolutely no idea, but I am, I'm not okay right now. And that's just how it is right now. And, and it was so real. Like I've, I've never said those words really out loud to someone. I think I've always um, hidden behind a joke or a drink or whatever. Um, and it was, yeah, that was that. So the the last half of the year was just really, really hard. <laughs> but yeah. not, no. not, be, not because I just wanted to spend money. Just it was a hard year uh, and I had to feel all of the things. Mm hmm. Right. And it's, it's, it's a thing that's, I think, easy to look back on and be like, well, thank goodness I didn't have, you know, shopping or whatever to numb out because I needed to deal with those things, but it doesn't make it easier in the moment. Right, that no. it's happening. Oh yeah. And I am, I guess I hadn't even thought of that. I am glad that I, you know, I guess did have to figure that out. And I don't know, I think, cause then other lessons I took from it were really like that. I, the only person who is going to make me happy is going to be me. Like not in like a only look out for number one. You're the only person who cares about yourself. Like not like that, but just like you are in control of how you feel. Um, and if you don't feel okay for a while, like that's okay. But if you like, for me, if I wanted to feel better, it was in my control and I, I had to be the boss and decide what, what to do. Mm-hmm. So in this kind of two year time span that we're talking about, when, if it even was during that two years, did you start to become interested in, I don't know what we're going to call it, decluttering, minimalizing, mm. you know, <laughs> minimalism, whatever. I knew you, I know you got rid of what, like 75% of your belongings somewhere along the way. Yeah. And like now I would guess it's probably more like, it's probably more like 80 or 85. Um, but yeah, in the two, well, even in just the the one year I got rid of about 75%. Um, and that was, that was a plan. It was a plan at the same time. And it was, it was so weird. Cause I'm like, looking back, I'm like, it sounds so counterintuitive. I like wrote on my blog. I'm like, this is the year I'm going to embrace minimalism and not shop very much. And so it sounds counterintuitive to be like, okay, you're not allowed to spend money and also get rid of all of your things. <laughs> um, but so where it, did that desire come from? Like, why did you want to do that? 
It it was really like I'd kind of said it like it was really just being able to look around my house one day and be like, I have everything I need. Like, why am I still spending money on things? Like, unless I need it. And that's okay. Like when you run out of toothpaste, you need toothpaste, go and get yourself some freaking toothpaste. Like that's okay. Um, but I didn't need, you know, like 12 bottles of lotion or whatever I had. I'm like, I know now that I might use two in a year. Uh, and so it, it just, I don't know. I just had this moment one day where I was like, why am I buying more? It's not helping with anything. Um, but then also looking at a lot of the stuff around me and realizing like, I wasn't even using most of it. Um, like, so I don't know. So I started decluttering at the exact same time as I started the shopping ban. And it was so, uh, at first it was just kind of like therapeutic, like get rid of a bunch of crap you don't need. So I did this huge thing where I, I literally emptied like every cupboard, closet, drawer, shelf and I dumped everything on my floors and I am like the neatest person that you will ever meet and so this was like shocking to my system to live in a giant mess which then forced me to to uh go through it and I I don't know in some ways like I had never read any of like the uh, Marie Kondo books or like any any decluttering books or anything but I did just have this sense of like you know, if I've never worn it or if I haven't worn it in a long time, if I haven't used that thing in a long time uh, or whatever, then I'm just going to get rid of it. So at first it kind of started slow. Like I got rid of a bunch of stuff, but I did that. But then throughout the year, I started getting rid of just more and more. And and what was most interesting was it was probably about six or seven months into it where I kind of did a final purge of a bunch of things that I'd seen around my house. And I realized that the reason I had kept them from when I did my original purge in the summer was that, you know, I had, I had bought so many of these things for like, I'll call it the ideal version of myself. So I had bought, you know, like books that I wanted smart Kate to read or Mm. clothes, Mm -hmm. clothes that I wanted like professional Kate to wear or, I don't know, like whatever version of, you know, that I wanted to portray or, or projects that I thought I should do or like a nice camera because I should get better at photography or like thinking I want to get better at photography, but never actually did. Like I used it like twice. Um, there was just a lot of that. And, and once I, you know, like once I had minimized at that point, I think I'd gotten rid of like 50 or so percent of my stuff. And then I, all that was left was the stuff I actually used And then these things that I had purchased for a reason, but I was never actually going to use them. You know, like the. Yeah, it's like ego purchases, right? Like that it means something. Like I want people to think X way about me because I have these books on display, or like I have this vision of this better version of myself who's going to blow dry her hair every day. Like literally, I haven't blow dried my hair in like five years. So that's not going to happen. So what do I need fancy blow dryer for? You know? Yep. Yep. And just. So so interesting when you're left looking at the stuff you actually use and then all that stuff, it just becomes so much more clear like that you I or for me, like I got to this point where I was like, I need to just accept myself for who I am and get rid of all the rest of this shit because I'm never, ever going to use it. I don't even remember like when I look back, I don't even remember other than that camera what most of it was like, I'm pretty sure I had like different kinds of like art projects or like I think I had like knitting needles or something like I'm never going to knit like, or maybe I will in 10 years. You can't say that, but like, I don't know how many years I had had them. That was never a thing that I picked up. It didn't interest me. Um, and, and so I just don't remember what most of it was. And and so finally getting to a point where I was able to get rid of 
all of that stuff and just be like, I just need to be okay with who I am. Like I am the girl who unabashedly read Twilight twice or I mean you know- twice girl I've read like a thousand <laughs> times. Please. Please. Don't start with me about Twilight. <laughs> it's my I went to Forks and I went on the multi hour Twilight tour and I cried no joke four times. So that could be a separate oh conversation we can have. I am obsessed. So that's amazing. But you know what I mean? So I'm like, I, I you just have to like own that. I'm not the person who listens to like cool indie bands and knows all those things. Like shit, if I listen to something, it's probably just top forty crap. Like what Yes. Sue yes. Me. Sue me. Like I just don't uh, and that's more just like I just don't care enough about that stuff. Like I'm not really like a snob about anything. Like I think anyone's interests are cool for them. And I just, I don't care about a lot of it. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, preach, 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 preach. (laughs) I think for me, I had to (laughs) finally have the conversation with myself of, I mean, it's slightly different now that I've gone back to school, but not really because there's a uniform for that. But I mean, I've worked at home alone for years, like literally years. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a, I mean, I, I love my friends, but I'm not like a super social. I don't want plans every night. Like Paul and I want to have dinner together at home. Like if I have plans with people who aren't my husband and my cats twice a week, three times a week, like that's the max that I want to have. So I'm getting real person dressed like twice a week. Right. So like, let's be real about how many clothes that I need. Like, what do I need more than like one pair of jeans? I'll need that. Right. Like I'm not going to get dressed up. And I don't know the, the, the empowering thing for me was when I got rid of all of my heels, like any kind of healed shoe situation. I'm not going to, I'm not going to wear these. Like, I'm just not, I'm not the person that wears these like amazing, like, no, I'm wearing running shoes. I'm wearing flip-flops that's basically it. Right. And like, it's as much as I want that maybe sometimes to not be true and it, that it's true. So what am I doing? <laughs> hmm. Oh yeah. The clothes one was interesting for that too, because I think when I, I remember minimizing my clothes and <laughs> looking at the four black garbage bags that were sitting on my bed afterwards, that was just clothes, shoes, and like a couple of jackets. And then looking at what was left, like, I think I had like 12 hangers in the closet and I couldn't even fill a three drawer dresser. And now all my entire wardrobe fits into my 60 liter backpack. And, and I don't say that as like a point of pride or like, Oh, like as a minimalist, you can only own X many things. It's because I'm just being very real of how much I wear. That's it. And even that is probably more than I actually wear, you know, like, or there's probably one pair of pants in there that I might wear once a year. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I think it, yeah, it was just really interesting. Like I, but, and then it is just like, those are clothes though, that, you know, they get use. So I had four black garbage bags full of stuff that didn't even get used for, Mm -hmm. I don't even know. I don't even know how many years, like I was just carrying it from place to place constantly. I think that being honest with yourself is really the key here too. And this is kind of, we can talk about like our thoughts about minimalism, right? Like as a movement or whatever. I know we both have some like sticking points with that. But part of the problem for me is like anytime we try to tell someone else like what should and shouldn't be important, like obviously you and I are using clothes as an example and it doesn't sound like it brings us a, you know, personally some huge amount of joy to like have this amazing wardrobe. Like I don't really, what you said about like the, you don't care about, you know, indie rock music, whatever, you know, having like the hottest playlists. That's kind of how I feel about fashion, right? Whereas I can think of friends specifically for whom that is like a huge passion, right? And they really do enjoy that type of thing. And they have tons more clothes than I do. They actually wear them. They enjoy the Mm -hmm. getting ready process, the makeup, the blow drying, the hair. Like that is for whatever reason, like that's their joy, right? Whereas like for me, 
if I did not have my e-reader or whatever, like I read obsessively. I read 131 books in 2016. Like that's a huge part of my life and a huge part of what brings me joy. So I need to have that in my budget to be able to what they don't have at the library, right? Like that I want to be able to buy. So I think, yes, so much of this is about the honesty of knowing like where to, I guess, declutter and where not to, I guess. Yeah. Well, and I think it just, um, if you, if we looked at it, even going back to the number stuff, it's like, I always say like personal finance is personal, right? Like that is, and it's just the same for everything. So I don't care what anyone spends money on. Um, it, as long as you are happy with it and it, it, you know, it aligns with your goals and your values, then that's great. And so the same thing is like with minimalism, you know, like whatever is important to you to keep and have in your home and makes you feel good, like keep it all, keep, keep everything that you actually love and that you use and that you wear, keep it all. Clothes were one thing for me where I was happy. It, it not even happy. It's like it just was the easiest to get rid of. And then I I had this very honest conversation with myself where I was like, I have literally my entire life been someone who only wears like the same three outfits. Yep, me too. Right. And so I'm like, why did I have all of this stuff? Like, why did I keep it? Why was I letting it collect dust? Like, I have always been someone who only wears a couple of things. Um, So it's not even that's like I, I posted a or I had a blog post about it at one point of like, you know, here's my tiny wardrobe or whatever. And it was not meant to be like, oh, here, have a tiny wardrobe. Like, this is something to aspire to. It was really just being like, this is me. This is literally just what I wear. And it's it wasn't about going out and like acquiring certain pieces. I was just like, this is how it is. That is what I wear every damn day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was there something you remember um, during the getting rid of whatever 75% of the items that was um, something that you thought that you'd miss, but then you don't miss at all? Um, no, it was, it was funny. And I, and I always feel bad that that's my answer to that question. I don't even remember the majority of stuff that I got rid of. Um, I remember a lot of it only because I documented it. Like I would write blog posts and say like, Oh, I got rid of, you know, 55% of my clothes or whatever. Like I would say little things like that here and there, but I, I don't know. I never, I never really thought twice about too many things. Um, occasionally Mm -hmm. it was more moments where I had to sort of deal with the, the question and like internal struggle of, I felt bad getting rid of things because at one point I had spent money on it. And I think that that's, at, at first I thought it was maybe just me for thinking that way, because I remember like as a kid, uh, I, I can just remember my dad's voice saying, you know, like, um, uh, you know, we spent good money on that. If there was something that they had, my mom and dad had bought me at some point and say, I barely used it. You know, if they could see mm-hmm. it collecting dust, they're like, we spent good money on that at some point. And that guilt trip. And it just like, it's like a gut punch, you know, like you're like, Oh, I know you did. And so I would look at some things and be like, man, even like the books, like I got, I got rid of a bunch of books because like I said, there were a bunch of that I had purchased literally just because like, I thought I should read them. Um, And so getting rid of them, it was hard at first because you're like, I spent good money on that. Like I, my hard earned dollars went towards these at one point and now I'm just donating them to the library. 
Um, yeah, well, but I mean, and then the, the counter thing, the counter argument to that is, right, but now someone's actually using them and enjoying them. All they were doing was like sitting around your house making you feel yeah. guilty. So like you've already spent the money, right? Like you can't yeah. get the money back. So it's like, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I hear you totally. I feel the same way, you know, with things that I've gotten rid of. Were you living alone at the time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was living alone. So, yeah. Well, okay. I, I so, always have been. So. <laughs> okay. Years. Well, no. Well, that was my question because I feel like conversations that I've had about. I mean, we're talking specifically about this like idea of decluttering, whatever. But anytime you talk about changes, right? Like a change that someone wants to make, maybe in like the time they go to bed or how much they're working out or like any change, right? So much of I feel like the excuses, valid or not, that come up has to do with how those changes bump up against the people in our everyday lives, right? Like, oh, I would love to get rid of X percentage of things, but my husband and kids or but this or but. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts on, you know, like if someone wants to do, get started in this kind of thing, but maybe the people around them don't. Yeah, I think because that is definitely with decluttering, that is like the number one uh, thing that I hear. And so I think the only thing I can suggest is that you focus on your stuff first and sort of just lead by example, right? Like if if decluttering some of your stuff, then somehow, you know, if it does affect you, if it makes you feel lighter, if it makes you if it just, you know, gives you more time back or just makes you feel better, that will naturally start to show Um, and so I think that that's the only thing you can do is really just focus on your own things and not worry about others. Because the other thing is, is like everyone's attachment to things is very different. And so you can't just look at, you know, say if, if your husband had 50 books that he hadn't read, you can't be like, yo, like Paul, this isn't working for me. All of these need to go away. Um, it's just, that's not going to work. Um, so yeah, so I think that just uh, really focusing on your own things first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I just wanted to bring it up because I feel like that's something that comes up a lot or that I yeah. hear a lot with people and it sounds like you do too. Yeah. Um, so something you said when we were talking offline, like what we were going to, or off the air, whatever, when what we were going to talk about today, and you mentioned struggling with the word minimalism. So will you talk about kind of your feelings around that? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I think, um, I think like if I could have a, a work goal for this year, it would like to become, come up with some new name for this or like new name that people could, I don't know. I don't even like the labels in general, but there, there's something about minimalism as a movement that is, um, I don't know. Like I can see the, I can see the benefits of it. I, I would say that I embrace it if I look at it as the definition of like, you know, living with less can help you in lots of ways. I, I can certainly agree with that in so many ways. I think that something I've been struggling with a lot this year is seeing the word um, almost just attached to things. So like you could actually buy certain minimalist clothes or minimalist uh, furniture or accessories or things like that. And, and, or even just, you know, aspiring to have a certain number of things or something that like, it's like being minimalist enough, uh, or like almost like you have to buy minimalist things to be a minimalist. It just, it's just been something that's driving me crazy. Um, I think I first noticed this when I was on my road trip last year, because one of the things that I did on my road trip was I went and visited a bunch of blogging friends that I've known for years online, but have not gotten to spend a good amount of time with. So, you know, I was hitting all their hometowns, going and staying with them for a few days um, and just 
really, really connecting with them more, seeing how they live and realizing that I have friends and I didn't even know this. Like I have friends who don't like they are minimalist because they have to be because they don't have enough money to have all of these things that I'm so lucky enough to have decluttered anyways. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. I just sort of was going through these things where I'm like, or going through their homes or, and just thinking about it, just like, I have this incredible privilege to call myself a minimalist um, where I just, that is, it's just not a thing for so many people, you know, like I've, and so I've been, I've been struggling calling myself a minimalist. Like I've been thinking about this whole thing as like a movement or whatever of just like, I think the one thing we all just at least need to be self-aware of is that it comes with such privilege. Like, people who don't have enough money cannot aspire to be a minimalist because they probably never had all that shit to declutter in the first place or have never had the money to even think about aspiring to live with less because that's all they've ever known. Uh, So then when I see the stuff that's like sold as a lifestyle or when I see like the Instagram accounts where everything is white and perfect and lined up, it just, it drives me absolutely crazy because that's not what it is about at a fundamental level to me, it is really just understanding that your basic needs are met and that what you value hopefully can fit into your life. Like Mm -hmm. that. I mean, yeah, I think for me, it's anytime there's like a particular lifestyle choice that like takes off on the internet, right. That winds up being put on a pedestal or glorified, which I think we would both agree that minimalism fits that bill, right. That it, it, I don't know, it gives rise to what you said that it's almost like the, am I minimalist enough, right? Like competitive minimalism. It's like competitive lifestyle design, right? Like who can own the fewest things or who can have like the least attachment to whatever that it becomes about something that like feels icky to me, first of Mm -hmm. all. And then the other side of that, you know, a lot of what's written or um, what I've read about minimalism or this movement are people who are essentially advocating for it, right? Or like trying to convince other people to do it. It's all around the idea that, you know, quality over quantity and, you know, you buy this really amazing pair of jeans or this really, you know, incredible computer. And then you don't like the idea that you spend a lot of money on like the really good things and then you don't need to have a lot of clutter. And I'm like, that's a privilege, right? Like being Uh able to, I thought about this a lot when I was preparing for the hike that I did last summer, right? That I did this like solo month long backpacking trip. And because I had never done anything even remotely like that, I had zero gear, right? Like I didn't own a set, like a tent or a fit, like any of that type of stuff. And, you know, so much of what I was reading in the space of, you know, basically it's called ultralight backpacking, like people that are advocates of that. Sure. Yeah. You can make stuff yourself, but a lot of the lightest weight gear, the stuff that's going to make the trip the easiest in terms of not having to carry extra weight on your back is incredibly expensive, right? And so people that are advocating for that, and I mean, some of the stuff that I bought definitely falls into that. And that's right. Having the privilege to be able to do that was amazing and something that I'm grateful for. But I was always, it would come up a lot on the trail. People, well, what's, what's your base weight of your pack or what's this? And like, not everyone has the money to be able to buy like a super lightweight sleeping bag. Right. So it's like, I don't know, anytime we start to like really glorify something, I don't know that it's, it's seen as this almost like spiritual ideal. Maybe I'm like ranting a little bit. No, 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 no. To be super minimalist or whatever. When, yeah, I think that with that, we ignore like the unbelievable amounts of privilege, which doesn't mean throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Like so much of what you're saying, the kind of introspection of 
what brings me joy and what doesn't. And if I'm in the place to be able to even have that conversation with myself, right? Like that's amazing. And to sure take advantage of that and to make some of those changes. But I don't know. I was really attracted to a lot of the stuff I read about minimalism until it kind of hit a tipping point for me where I'm like, this feels icky. And I couldn't really put my finger on it, but I don't know. I I agree with you a lot. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the the, um, backpacking part of it because it actually reminded me of something I noticed. um, uh, I can't remember when it was. Maybe like, I don't know, five months ago or something like that. I posted a picture of um, my office because I'd never had an office before and I finally had like a desk set up and I was so excited about it. And so I posted this picture on Instagram and then I started getting some comments on it that were like, Oh, where's your desk from? Oh, where's this? And all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, I don't want to make anyone feel like they need to have anything that I have. And so I deleted the picture and it was sort of like a moment of like being a little self-conscious about it, but it was really just, assessing like what I'm putting out there. And so I also, I've had people, you know, ask to see a new post of like what my current apartment looks like, or, you know, like would love to see what it looks like, what it like your layout or this or that. And I'm like, I intentionally am deciding not to post pictures like that because I don't want anyone to feel like that is what it means to be a minimalist or like my version of minimalism is whatever you should be aspiring to because it has nothing to do with it. Like, yes, I got rid of a bunch of stuff, but every, like, it doesn't even matter what I got rid of really, or what I kept to anyone else other than me, because it was so personal. And, and so everyone should, you know, yeah, have whatever you want, have as much of it as you want, or as little of it as you want, and just be okay with it. Like if you walk into your home and are comfortable, perfect. It doesn't matter what anyone else has. Um, and, but, but yes, I, I think something that I'm just really I don't know if it if it's just being conscious or mindful of it or whatever is just I'm very aware of the fact that uh this this little part of my life uh does come with a lot of privilege and and I just really want to make sure that I'm using my voice in the right way when talking about it. So Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I think all of what we're so much of what we're talking about has to do with kind of just like being honest with yourself, right? And checking in and doing that, making decisions from like you said, like that little voice or that gut check, right? That place. And it's that things evolve and change over time. Like I, this is such like a funny, silly example, but um, my husband and I are putting together like a gallery wall in our living room, right? Like we realized that we, it meant something to us to have more framed, just like fun family friend photos. We don't really have that kind of stuff up and we want to. Yeah. And it was funny, the like immediate resistance I had to like, well, that requires buying stuff. And like, I shouldn't want to buy more stuff or like, aren't I supposed to be having less stuff? And it was just like so funny to watch the inner chatter of like, I should be above this. I shouldn't care <laughs> about like what my home looks like. Or, and you like realize how ingrained some of this stuff gets and like how we get really attached to like, what does it say about me that like, I'm going to spend $90 on picture frames at Michael's or you know whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's, <laughs> and again, there's no right or wrong thing, but it's just interesting to watch that stuff play out. So yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, so before we start to wrap up, the last thing that I would love to ask you before we get into our community questions, um, something you talk about is how kind of this entire journey, everything that we've been sharing stories about has made you a more mindful consumer in general of everything. And I'd love to just hear a little bit more about what you mean by that and what that looks like for you. Yeah, I think it's it's really just that I have talked about all of these different things at different times on my blog. So I talked about, 
you know, getting out of debt and then my spending in general and figuring out what actually makes me happy. So what am I actually happy to spend money on? Um, and then, you know, from there talked about stuff, like what, what stuff makes me happy in my home. Um, I've talked about different things on my blog, like, uh, there was a time and actually it's funny that I, it took me so long to piece this together, but, um, I got much more serious about my health and fitness, um, after I decided to stop drinking. And so I talked a lot about that for a while. Um, and just, and well, with the eating specifically, I would just like to add, cause it's, it's sort of such a side tan point, side tangent of anything else that we're talking about, but with eating specifically, I think something that's been so important for me has just been um, really realizing like I hate everything about the diet industry. And every time I have a friend who tells me they're on some specific diet or doing some uh, cleanse or like whatever, like I, it, it is so hard for me to bite my tongue. But it's really because something I've realized is just like what we should be eating or what we should be doing instead is just paying attention to how the food that we're eating makes us feel. And if it doesn't feel good, stop eating it and start eating more of the stuff that does feel good. Um, Mm -hmm. And so just, again, being more mindful of it. And and I think just in general, like as a whole, I think that there's really, and we've talked about this a lot, there's really just no one right way to do anything. But if you're more mindful about how you consume everything and and like I said one thing I'm going to talk about this year is even just like media and and social media and news like even just being mindful of how much news you're consuming or the reasons that you're consuming it yeah um, and and then what it's doing to you right like so if you're not only paying attention to how much you're doing something but what it's doing to you after that is when I think you just find kind of whatever is right for you whatever perfect amount for you uh or habits for you like I just think it's it's so much more powerful to look at it that way rather than, you know, follow someone else's set of rules. Yeah, uh, no, totally. So that's, that's it. And then it's funny, I hadn't really thought about this until recently, but I keep talking about how I'm like a mindful consumer of everything. And I'm like, but actually I'm a non-consumer of alcohol. So <laughs> uh, it's not that I'm a mindful consumer of it. It's that I am not at all now. <laughs> well, I mean, you mindfully don't consume it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, so the way I know that you know this, but the way that we wrap these up are with what we call community questions. So they're questions that Real Talk Radio listeners want me to ask all of our eight guests this season. So we have nine kind of fun, rapid fiery questions if you are down to answer nine random questions. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite thing to eat for breakfast? Um, last year, I would have said I was pretty much eating like two hard boiled eggs all the time. I don't know why I just start with like some protein, but now I've been doing a a smoothie every morning. I love smoothies. I'm a big smoothie fan. Um, what would you say is the biggest challenge or obstacle that you are dealing with right now, either personally or professionally? Um, I would say it's definitely professionally. I don't know if it's so much a challenge. It's just this year is going to be very different for me. So when I quit my job, um, like a little over a year and a half ago now, it at first I kind of dove right into full-time freelance. And, and it was sort of interesting. Like I went from being like crazy workaholic at a startup to then crazy workaholic as a freelancer. Um, not surprisingly, very quickly burnt out. And then... And then 
found a very good balance in 2016, but then by the end of 2016, really realized that my goal when I quit was never to become a full-time freelancer. Like it was never to like fully just keep working for other people. I wanted to start trusting that I could find ways to make money myself. And um, yeah. And so I think that I've slowly tapered off with freelance and I'm now at this point not doing really any, like I might write one or two blog posts a month for some people, but that's it. Um, and I, I think my challenge for this year will just be not only doing the projects that I know I could make some money myself from, but just really trusting that I, I can do that. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't come as quickly. Like some entrepreneurs just like jump in and do it. I'm like, I'm like a very slow learner with just trusting that I, I do have the capability to do that. Yeah, definitely. So the next question, which regular habit or behavior would you say has most contributed to your happiness in recent years? Mm, uh, Spending way more time outdoors. And I don't, and not, I don't know, that sounds like so cliche, but it really is true. Like, I think that um, it, it doesn't cure all. As, as I've said, I spent much of 2015, like crying my eyes out. Um, but I think that it has it has just changed a lot for me spending a lot more time outside and even just trusting, um, my body when I'm outside. I think I used to hesitate with even certain things like on hikes, I would hesitate and just think that I couldn't do them or, um, I don't know, just stuff like that. And then really just trusting, like I can, I now notice like if I'm out on a hike, sometimes I will just feel like running. And so I'll just randomly trail run for a little while. Um, and, and just, yeah, listening to my body and knowing like, Hey, I, I, I didn't think I could do that, but apparently I can. So let's, let's just roll with it. And it always feels great. So, yeah. So continuing on with the topic of habits, what's one daily habit that you would love to develop and add to your life this year? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I think it, it, and not even like in a, I want to meditate sort of thing, but I think learning and I don't say that because it's bad it's just like I feel like everyone says that like I want to meditate every day I'm like I don't really have that goal my goal I think would just be to learn how to take more breaks in between work um Mm -hmm. and and sort of like I'm pretty good already at you know working on one project for a few hours and then switching to something different and not trying to multitask anymore I used to multitask constantly and you just don't get anything or I don't get anything done that way it's better if I just like do deep work for a couple of hours then move on to something else. But I'm really bad about not taking good enough breaks in between. So I would really, even if it was like a half hour, just kind of pause where I like have some water, go outside, call a friend, like just do something to break it up and then dive into work again. I would like to start doing a better job of that. I love that. That's a great answer. Um, Tell us the best advice that you have ever received or maybe just good advice that you think about often. Um... I think, I don't even know if it's advice. I think it's just like words that I remember um, my last boss saying when I quit, which was literally like she was an entrepreneur. She was a CEO of a startup that was, I don't know, you know, like profiting like 5 million a year or something. Like she was, she was doing great. And she was so supportive of everything I had been doing on the side. Like I would work like probably 50 hour a week. And then on the side was doing my blog and uh, some freelance and like book stuff and all these different things. And 
and she was so supportive of everything. So when the day came that I quit, I remember feeling so guilty and so worried that me quitting, she would like hate me or something. And when I finally just said the words, she was like, I was like, cause I was like, I have no idea if I'll be able to do this, but I figured I should at least try. And she was just like, of course you can do it. I knew this day was coming one day. Mm. And, and it was just one of those things where you're like, I, I just keep trying to remember that. Like, of course I can do this. And even if it's only temporary, like I've, even if I only do it for three years and then I have to get a job one day or something like, won't it will have been worth it to have done it for those three years. Like just knowing, so I don't know, just remembering that I can and apparently someone else saw it in me way before I did. So yeah. Isn't that always the way right? someone yep. else sees it before we see it ourselves? <laughs> um, what's something that you really love about yourself? Um, uh, well, <laughs> like I would think, and it's sort of a weird one. I think that I love now that, um, as I've gotten older, I'm just very comfortable in my skin and not, not with every part of myself. I think that, um, you know, I still have lots of little insecurities here and there or just feel self-conscious or whatever, but I, I don't really worry about the little things of like, I don't know. I, I think I spent so much time in my like teens and twenties, like worrying how I looked or more just like what people would think. Like I'm, I'm curvy or whatever. And like, now I'm like, whatever, I have a great ass and lots of great curves. So <laughs> like, I just own it. I love that. <laughs> um, no, I mean, just like beat of silence for how awesome that is. Um, <laughs> how do you pull yourself out of a funk or a rut? What works to get you reengaged in like your work or your goals or whatever, when you're just feeling like super blah? Uh, definitely, I would say just like calling a friend and either probably having like a mini rant at first, but calling a friend that I always know, like we will be laughing by the end of the conversation. Yes. Laughing. Oh my God. I honestly was re reminded of this over, uh, I was just going to say over winter break cause I'm on break from school, but <laughs> during the holidays that I was just like having so much anxiety and like a really down day. And I wound up in a text conversation with my best friend, Jamie, that, I mean, she and I have the exact same sense of humor and it just went down this like absurd spiral. I mean, I was just laughing so hard that I was crying and I'm like this, I haven't felt like this in too long. Like it's been too long since I've had then it just like makes everything better. Like laughing is the best. Yep. Yep. So the next question is about books. What would you say are two or three books of any genre that have had either a really big impact on you or that you have reread the most or that you recommend? Like what comes to mind when you're like, yes, uh, these, everyone should read these books. Um, I'm like, some are kind of cliche, but like that happens for a reason. Like the alchemist is something that mm -hmm. I can pick up and like my copy has like highlights and underlines and because he says so much in that book in just like the simplest sentence. You know what I mean? Like there's, there can be totally. just like five words that you didn't even notice it the last time you read it. But then this time, for whatever reason, you're like, holy shit. Like how, how did I not notice that before? Like the lessons that it brings up for you. It's just that book I think is, is one I will always reread. Um, another one, it's sort of different. It's called um, A Homemade Life. And it, the author's name is Molly Weisenberg. It, Molly? Oh my God. Did yeah. I just get that wrong? It is, yeah, okay. it is Molly. And I'm obsessed the, from the Orangette or Orangette, yeah. whatever her blog. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm obsessed with that book for sure. I, yeah. I don't know why I just had that moment where you're like, did I say that right? <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember um, uh, a friend of mine telling me about that book maybe three or four Christmases ago. And I picked it up and I read the entire thing in like two days 
And it wasn't even about the recipes because I remember the first time I read it, I just skipped all the recipes. Like I was so obsessed with her storytelling. Uh, and, and, but I feel for whatever reason now, like every Christmas, it seems to be one that I pick up again, read pretty quickly, but now I'll like try a recipe or two. Um, so yeah, I love that book and I'm sure have you more- read, sorry, oh. just to like on that topic, have you read, um, Ruth Reichel's, um, she has like a two kind of part, whatever, like food memoir, what it was it tender at the bone and comfort me with apples. I have not, but I remember hearing you talk about this in another episode, and I I then like went and bookmarked it, but it was during the shopping ban, I think, and so I couldn't buy. <laughs> well, they might. I mean, they're relatively popular. They might have them at a library or something. But yeah. in general, if you if you liked a homemade life, they're in the same vein of like part memoir, part kind of recipe book, and wonderfully well written. Okay, great. And then um, another one that was uh, great. And that I'm glad I didn't read it until I was working on my book was, um, blackout by Sarah Heppola. Um, which is just, I think that there's, I've had trouble with some of the other like drinking sobriety books. Um, but hers was, it was the one for me that I related the most to and her style of writing. Uh, it just, it brought up so many things for me where I was like, wow, I hadn't really, thought of it that way or yes I I totally did that for this same reason um so it was just good it was it was a great book and then lastly if you could leave our community the listeners with one call to action right now maybe a question to ask themselves or a small action to take what would you say Ooh, um yeah, I think it would go back to sort of what we talked about at the very beginning with like the whole, like all my thoughts around why I'm doing the year of slow or just kind of slowing down this year would, would, and, and just going back to everything else we sort of talked about is really just trust your gut. So like, I would think that, you know, I think we're so harsh on ourselves on setting really big goals all the time. And sometimes it's okay not like to have a year where maybe you don't go after all of them. Um, or just don't go after them unless it's something you actually want to. And really just, just listen to yourself more. And, and cause I think, I think most people you do, you just have this feeling of like what you should be focused on or what's not serving you that you seem to keep putting pressure on yourself for. Um, and so just figuring out what you actually want to focus on and do that. Yeah, no, I think that's beautiful and impactful advice. So what's the best place for people to find you and say hi online? Do you have like a favorite way to connect, a favorite social media platform? Where can people find you? Yeah, um, well, I mean, if you read my blog, so kateflanders.com, I try to reply to every comment that comes through. That's always been really important for me. So um, I do reply to everything there. Otherwise, Twitter's good. I'm really obsessed with Instagram now, though. I find like... I mean, I quit Facebook last year and Twitter even is just starting to bug me. I just feel like there's so much information overload um, and so much more negativity lately. And so I don't know. Instagram is just sort of a place where, yeah, you can just say nicer things or just like, yeah, no, I mean, I agree completely. Yeah. Yeah. Or just, you can just bring more positivity to it. And, and I don't know, I just like it. So. So what, uh, where are you on Instagram? Oh, or I'm what's your Kate, thing? Kate, Kate Flanders on everything. Easy, easy. Okay, well, I'll put those links in the show notes. Um, this was so much fun. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing so many good, honest stories. No, thank you so much. And I just wanted to say thank you for everything you're doing with Real Talk. I have been obsessed with it for a really long time. And uh, I love everything that you're doing.
And that's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening and for being part of the Real Talk Radio family. I couldn't do this without you. And as I said way back at the top of the episode, this is now a 100% listener-supported show. The show is made possible by people like Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Hi, Nicole. So we're going to play a quick three-question round of my favorite game, which is Would You Rather. So are you ready? I'm ready. These are pretty tame. Don't worry. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So would you rather always be 10 minutes late to everything or always be 40 minutes early? Oh, man. I think I should say always be 40 minutes early because I don't like inconveniencing people, but I don't want to wait around all that time. So I'm going to go with 10 minutes late and people can deal. Yeah, I feel like people would get used to it after a while. Because that was my first thought, too. Like, well, it's ruder to be late. But if it's exactly 10 minutes, if it's always 10 minutes, maybe people can just plan around it, right? And like, totally. <laughs> totally. totally. Um, would you rather all of your clothes always be two sizes too big or one size too small? Oh, two sizes too big. For yeah, sure. me too. Can you imagine, like, one size too small clothes all the time? You'd just be uncomfortable forever. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. It'd be awful. Um, okay, the last one. Would you rather be alone all the time forever or constantly be surrounded by super annoying people that you hate? Oh my gosh. Well, as an introvert, I think I'm going to go with be alone all the time forever, especially if I could have like books. Right. If I, if I can, if it's me and Harry Potter. Um, yeah, I thought that. And I think I would, I don't know, being just like spending all the time alone, I feel like also maybe I would go crazy. So maybe over time they would become less super annoying. I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so why don't you introduce yourself to the rest of the listeners real quick. Tell everyone where you live and one thing that you are totally obsessed with lately. Hi, I'm Lauren. I live in Eugene, Oregon. And the thing that I've been totally obsessed with lately is I'm kind of in a work transition and so I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what what I want and what the next steps are. And honestly, Nicole, I've been thinking a lot about um, something that you've talked about on the podcast, which is, you know, it's easy to make change or relatively easy to make change when things are bad, but it's not as easy when it's good, but not right. Um, and so I'm kind of in that situation now. So that that's what I've been thinking about a lot lately. Yo, isn't that so true? I, I mean, I can't take credit for that. I don't remember where I first read that or who first gave me that advice, but it is, it's relatively easy to walk away from something where you're like, everything's on fire. This is the worst. I have to get out, right? But if something's like, it's fine, right? It's like when someone's dating someone, they're like, well, they're nice. Well, okay, but like that should be a prerequisite, right? That's not like a good enough reason <laughs> to stay with someone. I don't know. I think about that too, that like it really is hard to walk away from something that's good, but not good enough or not great. Yep, that's what I've been thinking about. So I hear you. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Um, So you are a member of our wonderful Patreon support squad, which means that you're one of the people that listeners can thank for making this podcast possible since you've made a small and powerful pledge that helps fund the costs of producing the show each season. And I would love for you to share why you decided to support the show and one thing that you are really excited about in our Patreon community for 2017. Awesome. Well, I mean, I love the show and I want to make sure that it continues. I was so excited when um, the funding goal was met and it was clear that it would continue into 2017. So that was awesome. Um, And I think one of the things that I really love about the show is that I feel like there's something in every episode that ends up really speaking to me, even the ones that, you know, I look at the description and I think, I'm not really sure this is 
going to be right up my alley. But um, I just feel like maybe it's just the fact that people are so willing to be honest and open, but I, I feel like I take away something from every episode. And so I really wanted to be able to support that. Um, and in terms of the community, I feel like, I think I heard this on another outro recently, but um, it's just really cool to be part of a group of like-minded people. I mean, I'm sure that everyone who supports the show loves it and kind of feels the same way I do. And so it's neat to know that those folks are out there. Yeah. I mean, thank you for saying that. I'm obviously super grateful that you feel that way and that you want to support the show. And I agree. I think having a group of people who it's funny, like we don't necessarily have something in common, meaning we don't all live in the same place or we don't, you know what I mean? Like it's not a a topic specific situation, but everyone has kind of that common thread of willing to be open and honest and, you know, that type of thing, which is so awesome. So I'm hopeful that this year we can make even more kind of connections. And obviously you don't live far from me. So maybe we could do something like with people who are local or whatever. That would be super fun. That would be super fun. So thank you so much for being brave and for joining me for this. And to everyone who's listening, if you love the podcast, if you want over 30 hours of bonus content, if you want to help us keep the show going, all of that good stuff, just go to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette to make your pledge of $8 or more for each eight episode season. I can't tell you how much your support means to me, and I can't wait to get to know you better behind the scenes in our community. So until next time, here's a big virtual hug and a reminder that we're all all just doing the best we can. And no matter what, we're in this together.